You are listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe. Hello, you are welcome to episode 30 of House of Football with Sports Joe. I am Eric Lawler. I'm delighted to say in studio we have Keith Tracy and Alan Cawley. Lads, great to have you on again. Uh, we'll cut straight to the chase. We're just past the, the latest international window. And uh, let's be honest, it's been another international window of uh, of sadness, of depression, of frustration, whatever you want to call it. Um, all born out of the fact that we were beaten beaten well by, by Greece at home on Friday night, 2-0. I know we beat Gibraltar 4-0, but, you know, Bowser Pats would probably beat Gibraltar 4-0 at this stage, like, you know. So it's uh, it's it's been a disappointing campaign. And, you know, I suppose this is the end for Stephen Kenny. Uh, uh, Keith, I just turn to you first. I mean, you look back, um, what will Stephen Kenny's legacy be, I suppose, as Ireland manager? Uh, the legacy, Jesus. Um, <laughs> look, it was a difficult period. There was a lot of people, a lot of a lot of you know the likes of Robbie Keane, Shea, given all the all the older names. They all sort of went over the hill at the same time, and he was inheriting a group that that weren't very good. He was going to have to blood youngsters. We all knew that he wanted to transform the way we were playing. It was always going to be a very big ask, but. Look, his legacy ultimately it's one of failure because he hasn't he hasn't won anywhere near enough games. Even the, the teams we have beaten have been minnows like the likes of Gibraltar. We beat them four 0 last night, but you know Greece was the game, and I, I done the I done the Welsh game on Sunday, and Robert Page was under a little bit of little bit of pressure. Roy Keane has been thrown around for that job, and the way the Welsh played in that game. That's a team that want the manager to stay in the job. That's a team that that you seen Rob Rob Page got a little bit emotional in his interview as well. But you could just see they're happy. That's a, that's a sound camp. I see Mikey Johnson comes out after the game and he said, oh, we wanted to do that for the manager. Like, it's Gibraltar. The chips were down on Friday night. The yeah. chips were down when we played Greece last month. That's when the chips were down. That's when you come out and play for your manager. And Look, anybody can go and beat Gibraltar. I'm not doing cartwheels about that, uh, about that game whatsoever. There's a, a 40-year-old customs officer playing centre-half, a 37-year-old right-back. And we, we did what we needed to do. We went and won the game. But ultimately... Stephen Kenny's reign is one of failure, but I can see it's not a great team. It's not technically not a gifted bunch, but I think even now the drum he was banging at the start. We need to play this. This we're not going to play this British style of football. That was a rod that started to get beaten with his own. You think that then. that contributed to his kind of demise? I suppose. I think so. Yeah, because I think after a couple of games he realised we can't go toe to toe. You know, before we played Greece in the fourth game in Athens, I thought this this is a bit naive. We can't go toe to toe with people that are in and around us, let alone the the French and the Dutch. And the, the games in, in the Euro qualifiers that we come out with a little bit of credit is the French game yeah. the, and the Holland game. We didn't, like, we're not saying we played beautiful football in them games, but we ran around, we put our bodies on the line, we gave 100%, and it, we looked like we had pride in the jersey. That's all I, I asked from this group. And look, you can simplify it. When the group is not great, you simplify it. You make yourself hard to beat. You make teams play around you. Like last night, Gibraltar, again, aren't great, but we got the ball out wide, we put balls into the box, and things happened for us. Not beautiful but things happen for us. So I think the Irish public really need to have a have a think now whether they want to this nice style of football progression and keep going down that road or do we tighten up here and do we do we make ourselves harder to beat and it might be it might not be pretty on the eye but maybe we'll stick around in groups maybe we can go and beat a Greece maybe we can draw with the Dutch. It's not going to be pretty but we might get out of a group here and now. I'm not saying we will but I think we stand a far better chance of getting out of groups and competing in groups if we're a horrible team. And look at the Welsh, look at the Scottish. They're, a bit, they're better individuals than us, I give you that. But you don't come away from their games thinking, oh, his technical ability was brilliant. It's just a team press and a team that are really behind, a manager, clear thought process and a very clear way of playing. So, simplify it. 
and play from there for me. Al, your thoughts? Yeah, it's um, it's hard to argue with, with a lot of what Keith has said, to be fair. And I suppose the question you asked, what will his legacy be? He has brought through a lot of players, but I think... Eighteen. He's given 18 players their debut in his tenure. Yeah, and I think that was probably... Um, I don't think that was the case of... Just because Stephen was the manager, he gave all the debuts. I think if anyone else was managing, there was probably a lot of debuts to be to be had anyway because we needed to change up, I suppose, uh, that transition in terms of the players and the um, lads that had been moved on and lads that were coming through. So I think that was always going to be the case. Um, and maybe the next manager might get the best out of the lads now to have 15, 20, 25 caps that maybe when Stephen, as you say, gave them their debuts, they're starting from scratch. Um, but in terms of him and the stuff he spoke about, about the style, as Keith said, and what he's trying to implement. And it's admirable what he was trying to do. We all knew that. But we also knew how difficult it was going to be. And it wasn't going to happen overnight. And it was going to take time. But I think he maybe even underestimated just how difficult it was going to be as well. Because of... And I know he wanted to talk up the players. And there was plenty of managers previous that talked down the players. And we didn't like that either. So we can't be hypocrites either. You know, we were liking the fact that he was talking them up. But you have to be realistic as well at what's at your disposal. And... Ultimately, it's a team of championship players and you're trying to play like Italy or Spain or Croatia or whoever, you know, and, and sometimes you have to be a bit pragmatic and say, well, we can't do all the things that Spain do, but we might try and do three or four things they can do, but we'll also do three or four things we're good at. Mm. Um, and it was almost that kind of uh, referendum used to break out after every match and a debate around Stephen, do you want the football style or do you want... And I always felt... It was never... Because there's no one style. As Keith, tell, Keith would have played with managers who want the fellas to be direct. He would have played with managers that want you to pass the ball. There was all different styles. And so the team all, would have to be adaptable. And there's all different ways of winning <laughs> yeah. matches. So I never felt, even when these debates used to break out, that it was just total football or just lumping up the pitch. There has to be a balance met somewhere. And I'm not sure if Stephen ever got that message across. Because after the few games when we started to lose... We weren't even good then at trying to do what he wanted to do. And even when we were doing it, it wasn't like we were... It started at the back, but we were never playing through the thirds and all of a sudden you'd see us play five, six, seven passes, progressive football, and we're up on the edge of the box and creating a chance. We we weren't really good at doing that. Yeah. So there came a point then, and you look at the game the other night, even against Greece, where we are a bit more direct, but I think we're better off trying to play a little bit. But then there's times to be direct. Keats gets crosses into the box, play off Ferguson as your focal point, whatever the case may be. Um but ultimately, he, 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 is, he has failed and he's aware of that himself because this was the campaign. We all gave him the grace period. He's had more time than any manager I can remember. Um, and we were all for that, I suppose, at the start. There was the genuine excuses with COVID and injuries and all the stuff we've kind of been through. But this was the campaign to say, and I'm not saying we were going to beat France and Holland, but the Greece game, and the two games have killed him, the two Greece games. And I'm watching the game the other night and that was the flattest I've, I've seen, not just Stephen, the players, the ground and everyone. Because in fairness, the people at the matches and you go yourself, are, they were behind them, everyone, yeah. you know, in the stadium. It was half empty. And then he comes out and his interviews, I don't think have helped either because he's dressing up something that you just can't dress up. Sometimes you have to come out and just be honest and say, look, that was really poor. I'm not standing over this. They were bad. We didn't play well. But come, we had 18 shots. We nearly scored. And, and if that one had to go in, we would have been in the game. It but maybe. Yeah, you can't, you can't be making out those kind of conversations after every match. And I was all for Stephen. Mm -hmm. But you have to be realistic too. And you have to call it as it is. So ultimately, I'm like Keith about the Gibraltar game. They're a, they're, they're a shambles. They shouldn't even be in qualification, in my view. And you can take nothing from that. Like there's nothing to be gained or taken from that. That's just the case of fulfilling a, a fixture that's all that is there's nothing to come out of that to say oh there's a sign there that we could bring that forward to the next game so I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even discuss that so 
we're down to the, the Netherlands game. I thought they may have made the decision after the Greece game because I don't want to see a situation where it gets to the point where Stephen either is being humiliated yeah. or laughed at because he's a really good person. We know that, Eric. He's yeah. a good man. He's tried. And sometimes you try things that don't work and you just say, look, I tried my best and it just didn't work out. Yeah. And that's okay to do that too. Mm-hmm. Like, you're allowed to do that. So you, 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 what maybe could have helped him if he admitted maybe one or two errors of judgment yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, and I think there'd be more empathy towards him if, if he actually came out and says, look, I got it wrong tonight. Tactically, I got it wrong. Uh, I picked the wrong couple of players. That's on me. Whatever. Come out and say that stuff. But it's always like we had 58% of the ball. We had this. We had... It's always trying to dress it up. And I don't know if that's a case of him trying to justify his position because he always was feeling like he's he's trying to prove himself. Yeah, or from day one. that battle, like, yeah. you know. Um, and, and maybe that's the case as to why he does it. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. But I just feel from... And people are knowledgeable about football. It's not just lads that played football. Fans going to matches can see in front of their eyes what's going on. People watch football now. There's more access to stats and information and clips on YouTube and fellas telling you what you, what you need to know. So fans are not silly like nowadays. Like Fans can see in front of their eyes. So sometimes you have to come out and just say, look, we were dreadful tonight. you know. And I think when he reflects on it, maybe that's something he will look back on. But ultimately... He's tried, he's had his chance, he's given it a go, he's brought the lads through, but it just hasn't worked out for him. But see, sorry, to go back to Stephen Kenny in the media, like when, before we played Greece, he, they, he was asked the question, you, you've had a look at Greece now, you've played them in Athens, what did you think of them? And he wasn't complimentary about them whatsoever. He said, oh, well, they'd six or seven of players that kept throwing themselves on the ground. They're really long in the tooth, they're experienced, they know the black arts of the game or the dark arts of the game. And you're thinking, they're a very good football inside mm-hmm. as well. And he never once mentioned that. Then we got beat by them. And then he said, oh, well, they're a good team. And you're thinking, you should have been pumping that into that team from minute one. These are very, very good. And you could see the first five minutes uh, against Greece, we did okay. We, we hit the post. Smallbone had a good chance. Then we went to press them. And you just went bop, bop, bop. And you seen the lads just lose confidence and go, oh, no, no, no. And I came back and come back and come back. But Stephen is saying, keep going, keep going. You're like, No. These yeah. are the ver- like we weren't ready for this. We didn't think they were this good, and yet that comes from Stephen. That should have filtered down that these are going to have possession. They're, they're decent. We had the lion's share, but when they had it, they looked an awful lot more. And even uh, even in the game the other night as well, Eric, for me, and that's why the interview annoyed me a little bit because and Keith will, will tell you this in the game when the game's in the melting pot in the first half. So we had the couple. Of the, this is how it played out the first half. So we had the first five or six minutes. Smallbone, which started well. Smallbone has the chance. The keeper saves it. Then Evan had the shot. Then, and Gus Poyet said this in his own interview, the formation that they set up with the back four kind of caught them off guard a little bit. He wasn't expecting that. So then they took 10, 15 minutes to suss out what's going on here with their formation. As Keats, then they got a hold of it. They c- controlled the game then for the next 25 minutes. They went 1-0 up. We had the little spell just before half time. then when we were pushing a little bit and then we got caught on the counter with the goal and it's 2-0. The second half when Stephen is coming out saying we had all the possession and we had shot... They're 2 up. They just sat in there. Yeah, yeah. They didn't come out and play in the second half. They were sitting there think, thinking, we're 2 up. We don't need to do anything here. We're in total control. We'll keep them in front of us. They're not penetrating in behind us. And we'll just manage the game from here. And that's basically what happened. So to come out and be dressing up, the, the damage was done in the first half. And when the game was in the melting pot, they were better than us. In the, key moments. The, the big yeah. difference as well is when Greece we played a, a back four and even in the warm up because I was there early I was doing the radio we were we were had a back three in the warm up they were going out doing headers and I think they were trying to lull Greece into or they're, okay. they're playing five at the back again but we played four Greece went out ten minutes took them to figure it out 
Gus Poyet can't get his matches across when there's 40,000 in your VV. He can't shout, this is what I need you to do. There's players on the pitch that go, have a look at this and go, right, I, I can sort this out. You go here, you do this. We don't have that. Right. Stephen Kenny sends our lads out and they do what he says. It's not, they assess the and situation. And the message doesn't change until half-time. Or yeah, you need yeah. leaders out there. You need people who can look around, take the game into account and go, yeah, I know we want to do this, but we can't do that right now. So let's back these off. Let's do whatever. And we, ju- we don't have problem solvers. We don't have leaders. I, I just don't see, does, it's it's very hard to like anything with that Irish team at the minute. I like, whatever about uh, the Gibraltar game walking to the game on Friday night it was just so flat but on that as well Keith and, and it's something kind of along the same lines of what Keith is saying there about leaders you never see anyone dig someone out it's right. too nice or getting, yeah. after, getting nice. after each other or, or like you're, you're when you're being outplayed at one point you need to hear like you, you need to have a go at someone or if yeah. someone makes a mistake you have a go at them and it might rile them up and rile you up and get the crowd going or whatever you never see that it, and, I, and I always we, go, we grew up watching the Irish teams and, and people put the phrase on and now the British style or whatever. But it was so, it, we were good at ruffling feathers and getting amongst people. And that was a strength that we had. You know, we have gone so far away from that as well, Eric. And that's my point about you can play the football, but you can still have that those strengths as well. So we're easy to play It against. can't be one or the other. And I always find the likes of Greece coming to the Aviva, it's like, here's a lovely stadium, beautiful pitch. Welcome. Come on, lads. And, and sure, you play your football and we'll play our football and we'll see who wins at the Do end. Do you want them to, the, the Greek centre-halves, coming out of bed in the morning in the hotel thinking, my God, I'm going to have to clear balls. There's going to be balls coming in on my head. He's going to be standing on my toes. It's going to be hustle and bustle. No, I'll just be nice. There'll be no pressure on me. Passy, passy, nicey, nicey. It's too nice. It's way, way too it nice. Is, too, I wouldn't too. mind going extreme the other way and just flipping on his head just for a little while so people get... Oh God, it's Dublin. I don't want to go to Dublin. And not because we're a great footballing team. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get hustled. You're going to get busted. It's going to be 100% effort. And we might turn over a few people. I mean, either against uh, Van Dijk. Van Dijk's one of the best defenders in the world. And I know he's come down a little bit. But when he was one-on-one with Adam Eder, who's playing in the championship, he looked bang average. Yeah. And, so and on that as well, that? and that's 100%. something then when you're actually talking about players, he brings Callum Robinson on, on then the other day. Mm. He hasn't featured in months. And he'd have played well against the Netherlands. So I, I was sitting there thinking, if I was Eda there, I'd be saying, like, I started against the Netherlands and scored and did, did okay in the match, as Keith yeah. said. And this fella's coming on now ahead of me. Like, it, look, it, that's not, that wasn't the reason we won or lost. But a couple of little things like that as well would make me think, you know. Right, just to, just to be, I suppose, devil's advocate for a little bit, right? There's this narrative, I suppose, in the media at the moment that um, it's not that we lost against the big teams, it's, it's how poorly we did against the teams in and around us, mm-hmm. right? What gives us the right to to beat Greece home and away? What gives us the right? I know they were ranked 40, whatever it was, or ranked lower than us. But as you mentioned, Keith, they've got players who are playing for top-level clubs uh, in Greece, you know, Olympiacos. When this draw, when this draw was like made, Eric, when this draw was made, I didn't have us down as beating Greece. Right. I had us down as, this is really hard. This is France yeah. and the Netherlands and Greece. And us. Mm-hmm. But people are saying Greece, are, using Greece as an example yeah. of a team we should be getting results against. But I, like yourself, I was kind of going, well, you know, these are a lot of lads who are playing Champions League football regularly. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, and, and there's a bit they're of a proud nation. They won the Euros once, uh, yeah. that famous Euros win in 2004. But I, I just think. I just think that that stick has been used to beat them a little bit. And I think it's slightly unfair that we don't have a divine right to beat the likes of. Uh, I mean, even you go back to the Nations League against Ukraine. You know, why should we be beating No, but I, I think the stick, I agree with you on Greece and Ukraine if you're using them as examples. We don't have a divine right to be beating them because they're very good and they're better than us. And technically, it's the Azerbaijans and the Luxembourgs. Mm-hmm. They're the ones when you say 
we couldn't they're the ones that are in and around us that we couldn't beat I think that's that would be my view in terms of a stick to beat them I always felt people will live with the France and the Netherlands and, and even the odd game against the Greece away from home if you lose but we're beating Luxembourg and we're beating yeah. Azerbaijan and we're beating mm-hmm. Latvia and we're beating the teams that we should be beating those teams but they're games that he's lost as well and that was always building up towards then if he was winning those games and having a little bit of credit there but maybe struggling against the top nations and putting in a mar, mar, not, I'm not saying we want moral victories but putting in a game against France where there's keeper pulls off a save at the end and you think well we could have got a one-all draw and we played quite well against the world champions people will live with that but he was having no credit against Luxembourg and, and then having to go and lose them games as well and it was all building up into the narrative around well he's only won five games in 27 competitive matches and all yeah, this kind of stuff by the way Greece didn't Greece didn't come here and it wasn't a smash and grab against us it wasn't a smash and grab in Athens they absolutely battered us in Athens and for large periods they battered us in Dublin and this is a team that we are ranked in and around it's a team that we're actually ranked better than but technically they're a million million miles ahead of us and people keep saying we need to play this style of football. We're playing catch-up in that style of football. We're years behind the rest of Europe. We are getting better at it, but what we're good at is, you know, the old style of football, the, the old school, if I want to so be better So you, you would mix it up, Keith, is what you're saying. I'd mix so, it up, yeah. but that, again, I go back to problem solvers. If, I go, if I'm in the dressing room and I'm telling them, lads, play into the channels, give them nothing early doors, if they go and stand off you, then by all means play a bit of football. You have to suck them out. I'm playing long, it means to an end so when they start to back off now we play football then when you come back then we go behind again it's a little bit of what they don't want you don't just keep saying this is plan A and plan A is plan A and plan A is plan A there has to be different ways to win the game of football and the only time Stephen Kenny ever looks like winning a game of football is when we put the ball into the box I mean Shane Duffy is still the top goal scorer under Stephen Kenny so wow, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm, and the thing, the thing about you're that, probably right. I, I hope I'm right because yeah. your your uh, your reaction didn't fill me with confidence. No, no, I'm like, just shocked. shocked. Yeah, the <laughs> thing about that, I wouldn't be surprised though. The thing about that as well is that would be all right if you've one way of playing and you were really good at it. But we're playing that one way and we're only okay at it. Yeah. If even you know, so that's so the end doesn't justify the means. Kind no, of like thing, in yeah. European football, you'd probably say Greece are okay at doing it in terms of where we're ranking people. If as a footballing team, we're not okay. We're not okay. Like mm. Stephen Kenny has even said, we're one of the best footballing teams in Europe in this mm. campaign. You're like, where have you got that from? <laughs> and look, we're not. We have to be realistic here. There, there is ways that that. I, I don't like talking down the lads because there is attributes in that squad that we can win games of football. But going toe to toe for a game of football, I just think at this stage now, is not even silly. Okay. So I mean, just uh, just to labour that point about the you know this divine right to beat. I'm looking. We did a little uh, check back on previous campaigns. With results against teams in and around our levels, and like if you go back to to uh, two thousand and eight, <laughs> hammered by Cyprus, right? <laughs> Five two. Remember Stevie uh, drew one all. Czech Republic drew one all, lost one nil. Wales won one nil, drew two all. Slovakia won one nil, drew two all. Two thousand and twelve, Armenia won one nil, one two one. Russia lost three two, drew nil all. Slovakia drew one all, drew nil all. And then go back to two thousand sixteen under Martin O'Neill, Georgia two one, McGeady's last minute goal. And then we won one nil in Dublin. Scotland away, lost one nil, drew one all in Dublin. Drew one all at home to Poland, lost two one away. Um, and then going on to Mick McCarthy, drew one all twice with Denmark, won one nil, drew nil all. Switzerland lost two nil, drew one all. So basically, what I'm getting at is um, we've never really done great against the teams but in I think and around the, us. But I think those results you've read out are a lot better than what Stevens. Because if you come to Stephen now, it's lost, 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 lost. Yeah, lost to Greece, lost to Greece. Whereas your what you're saying there in a couple of them, Drew at Russia lost the home, Drew at Poland lost the way, 
So there's a lot You've called out a lot more draws That's another thing We don't mm. draw matches Yeah yeah. E- even if you're struggling in a match And say well we'll dig out a point Or we'll, we'll You know We don't seem to do that either You know Yeah it's, And look It's hard because we As I said here the last day Eric I thought it was done After the Netherlands thing I'm watching it Friday I thought they might have made a decision After that match Friday night And then Maybe after the Gibraltar one, then I'm thinking, would you leave it till the hall? And I still think, make the decision now. Because I don't want to get, and this is why it's hard for us, because we know Stephen. Mm-hmm. And we were all for him. Yeah. But now we have to call it as it is. And I've no problem saying that, because it, the proof is in the pudding. And, and you can only kind of tell say what you're what you're seeing. But I don't want to get it, get it to a stage where he's been hounded out or humiliated yeah, yeah I don't yeah, want yeah. that because what he tried to do is admirable Eric I was at the games with Trapatoni and McCart and you're coming out of the games there towards the end and, and there was a sense in the, in the stadium that come on surely we can do a bit better than this like the, the world is moving on yet we sit, still seem to be years behind so in in like I suppose what he tried to do was admirable in that sense in, in that his heart was in the right place what he was trying to do it's just very hard to do it. Mm. And now he's realising that. So I don't think he should be... Get to a point where he's been humiliated out of the job either. I don't I don't want to see that. No, we don't. I don't think anyone wants to see that. Um, there's t- there's this idea that Ireland need to lose the Netherlands to go through, right? <laughs> Which is Sorry, dead, right? <laughs> so say, if Portugal hammer Bosnia, Slovakia win in Luxembourg, Netherlands win in Greece, that angle whereby it'd be better for Ireland to lose in Amsterdam is dead. And if Holland beat Gibraltar in the last game, they're through ahead of Greece regardless. So Slovakia are six points ahead of Iceland with two games to go, okay? They play Iceland at home. Listen to this. If Slovakia were to lose that and lose away to Bosnia, who were out, and Iceland won in Portugal in the last game, it's the only way Ireland survived. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> we're still in it, Stephen. Keep the fight going, pal. Um, no, obviously it is. It's, it's disappointing. Um, we're a proud sporting nation. You look at the, the rugby team over the weekend, and uh, I know you're not a rugby man, Keith, and that's okay. But, uh, you know, just, you know, like as a small nation, you can be a, power, a force on the world stage. And I'm not saying Ireland should be up there with the top teams in the world, but we should be doing better than what we're doing at the moment. Yeah, and we should be just competitive. That's what we want in the groups, competitive. It doesn't and feel I, like we're competitive. And I looked at Keith, Keith made a great point there. He, Teams used to fear coming to Dublin because they knew yeah. they were going to and get it. wasn't it. because we were... We, under Brian Kerr's team, that was 11 Premier League players and we did play a bit of nice football. But people feared coming to Lansdowne, feared coming to the Aviva because of the effort levels, because of what they were going to get. The crowd were behind the team. I know he was sitting there as a ball boy and I know he was just loving it, thinking, this is what I want. This is what I want to be when I grow up. And in the Aviva on Friday night against Greece, I don't think anybody was walking out thinking, oh, I want to play for this Irish team. Yeah. It, it was so, so poor. And it's, it, look, it's, we're a million miles away from that, that, that great Irish teams that I used to play in with great individual players. And the reason that, you know, Trapatoni and Martin O'Neill come under pressure because of their style of play is because they had players. They had decent technical players, and I think Stephen that should Kenny be doesn't. that should be pointed out as well. When you're com- like people, you'll, you'll see these comparisons and win percentage rates and all that kind of stuff, right? And that's fine, but I think that should be factored in when people are judging them against the previous managers. They did have great players. Mm. They did like we we grew up watching great players keep playing. You look at that team, and no disrespect to them. Obviously, Evan is potentially a great player. Maybe Nathan Collins. There's two or three that you could pick out. But what he's what he's dealing with, and I'm not trying to be hard on the players. The realistic end of it is that it's a, it's effectively a championship team. That I think that should be factored in as well. And 
But then I suppose you can flip that argument to say, well, then Stephen should realise what he's dealing with and maybe not ask them to do something that maybe they're not capable of. So I don't know. We could go around in circles there. We really he could. And he it's dropped Nathan Collins as well. Yeah. I, I know he was really, really poor for, for Greece, his second goal. He, he tries to play offside. And I think if, if that's him playing for Brentford, I think he just matches that run and he either kicks her out with a throw in or he, he shuffles it down, he slows him down. But the, to hit the brakes and look for the linesman to dig you out of a hole is like... How low on confidence are you right now? Just do, do you reckon that was that? symptomatic of the confidence levels? Yeah, because if that's a confident player, like I know, I know, look at Van Dijk and Collins, you know, but if that's Van Dijk and he's playing, he just eases over there, slows him down, maybe waits for it, and then nicks the ball out, and then everybody shuffles back. The fact that he hits the break is just like you're not backing yourself to go yeah. into the channel with this fella. And you're thinking, Nathan, you're you're such a good player, but Brentford transfer it over. And I look, I know it's not as easy as that. It's a team that's low on confidence, but you could see Nathan was struggling when he hit the breaks and that run. I thought. And that's, that's another thing with the, with the style of play like we often you look the modern day teams that are really good at say Brighton and, and the teams that play out from the back and the way it's gone all fashionable with teams and it's that risk reward element. When we're, when we're in possession going to attack we st- we're, we're, we're so vulnerable out of possession so vulnerable that as soon as it breaks down you're thinking no we're exposed. Yeah, how is it a 1v1 at the yeah. back even with Nathan Collins it should never even get to that situation. So the risks were taken like we're not even we're not even looking like scoring the two or three, but also maybe as I say that we might concede two or three that you live with. We're not even close to scoring, yeah. but yet we're so exposed as soon as it's turned over and as soon as we lose the ball, and and we're not we're not. So it's not risk and reward; it's risk and even bigger risk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're a possession based team that's so blunt; it's unbelievable. If you you can't be a if you're a possession based team that doesn't really pass forward and you don't really have threats in the middle of the pitch, you become your own worst enemy when you have the ball. Because they're just shaping the press off your side was and backwards passing and you're putting yourself under more and more pressure to be good with the ball. And it look at even Nathan Collins is decent for Brentford at playing football, but he has the confidence to fizz it into the middle of the park and go, You deal with that. He can't do that with Ireland. Like Josh Cullen is decent, he'll keep the ball, but he's not gonna give you a platform to go forward. Yeah, he's so not he's, that creative force. He's not and look at Cullen is a very good player. He he has brilliant attributes for Burnley. He'll go around, he'll get you the ball back. He's he's a he's a leader in that team as well, funny enough, but yeah, not company loves team. him, doesn't he? Company loves him, but what he does is what Malumbi does. It's what Knight does. It's what okay. everybody does. They're too similar in there. And look, they just all have the same attributes. We just need a technician to go in there. Even Smallbone. We're saying maybe Smallbone's the one. Smallbone's a decent player, but he's playing for Stoke. So let, let's get the levels here. There needs to be a, a, a reality check here. And this is, I don't want to keep talking down the players because they are playing at a very good level. I played most of my career in the championship. It's a very, very good level. But on the European stage and the world stage, you know, you're going to be found out. So we need to change how we're playing. And it might not be pretty, but we'll, we'll compete in groups. Well, I, mean, I would say the championship's probably the, in the top six leagues in it Europe. It was last year, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, was in, much, top, in terms yeah. of uh, attendances yeah. and quality. But um, um, So what's next for Ireland, Al? Yes. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You see, I was looking at um, the, the, the one of the betting sites today and the list of potential managers. And it's a long list. Um, Gus Poyant's actually thrown his hat into yeah, the ring that, that was great imagine him just winding us up, yeah, I, know, winding up Keith, I think it's he? a little element to that pop. isn't there but also the fact I love the fact that he mentioned that he saw loads of lads in Dublin in tracksuits and thought <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of par for the course for Ireland, really. Like a lot, <laughs> lot of lads in tracksuits, but he he took that as you know, fervent support for the Irish team. He says, Lord, beautiful stadium. There we go, beautiful stadium, beautiful pitch. He says, passionate supporters, 
I would love this to be a great environment to manage in. Um, now, he said, I think he said it after the, they won the match, so he was in good form. Mm. Uh, maybe he was playing silly beggars. But isn't he the type of coach that maybe we should be looking at that, you know, instead of the same old Neil Lennon, Sam Allardyce, mm. you know, the usual names that are thrown out there every time the year the manager becomes, should we be looking a little bit left field? And, and, and you know, as you say, there's always data and stats out there that... We want our players to, to play a certain way. Which manager gives us the best chance of playing that way? Who, mm. who, who believes in that system? Makes us harder to beat. But when we're, when we're not pressed as much, we play a bit more football. You know, should we be looking outside the, the usual candidates? Yeah, 100%. Um, if there's someone there available, definitely you should explore every avenue is what I would say. I suppose finances are going to dictate who we can get as well. But I don't want to see a manager just taking a job based on the pay, pay packet that he's going to get. If someone is adamant that he can come in with the group of players whether he's from the outside or whether he's linked to Ireland and say I can do a good job with these well then I'm all for that and he's here for the right reasons but if there's a fella sitting at home saying well they're only giving me like 400 grand but I could get 500 grand somewhere else we don't want them fellas like you know what I mean Mercedes, so, yeah. yeah well, like, so I think the finances in terms of where the FEI are at and it's not it's as grim uh, on the pitch as it is off the pitch in terms of the finances um, I think that's going to dictate as you say the names that are being bandied about Eric because we're not shopping in Brown Thomas when it comes to managers mm. we're shopping in Aldi yeah <laughs> yeah no, look, I, I actually, Gus Poyet would excite me. Yeah. I think if he was to come in, look, whether or not it's actually a real, like, viable to happen, I, I'm not too sure. But he's overachieving with Greece. I know they are a decent team, but he is overachieving. He's he's at the second at the minute. I know he, he probably will be overtaken by Holland, but doing really, really well. The style of football he's playing is brilliant. But I think he's he's realistic. I think if he was to take this Irish team, he would play a more pragmatic way. I think he, he's played in the Premier League. Obviously, a very good player. He understands the game very well, and he's he's very good in the media, but. Would the FAI trust him? He's a little bit of a maverick, isn't he? In the yeah. media, I think a lot of stuff would come out that maybe wouldn't come out. So I don't think the I FAI think what he's shown, if you're if you're talking about him specifically, he has shown in the two games he's outfoxed and outtaught Stephen mm. in both games. Tactically, in the media. He won the press conference, Stephen Ting the other day, he was laughing at them. Mm. Like Keith Andrews came out with his comments and I was kind of saying, Keith, like that happened six months ago, like and that wasn't the reason we lost the match. If even if there was somebody watching them or at training, but again, as I go back to data and stats, like it's not difficult to find out how a team plays nowadays. Whether you're living on one side of the world or the other side, you can find it out fairly fairly handy. So that was never why why dig that up, and then Poya come out. Then he had his time to think about it, and he comes back. And he was reveling in it, yeah. You know, because he is a character. He is a bit of a maverick. As, as and he's, such, he's such a maverick. If he did take over the Ireland job, he'd probably bring Keith Andrews in as a number two. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think, like, if you're talking about him in terms of as a manager, absolutely, I'd have no qualms whatsoever. But what he did show in those two games was he, he won the he won the two games on and off the pitch. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's it's a, it's a sad time. We're all massive Irish mm. football fans. We love our football. Uh, we want the international team to do well. And I think the next appointment, uh, Keith, is is hugely important when you see what's further down the tracks. The Euros mm. are going to be played in Ireland in, in 2028. And it would be amazing if we built towards that now, I think, you know what I mean? And, and develop the style, as you say, where we become difficult to beat at home again. And that we have a team that we're proud of going into what will be an amazing thing for this country when the Euros are held here. It's going well, to be the next, the, next, um, the next competitive game we play is not until next September or something. 
Like there's a year mm. now. It's going to be friendlies for the next. So we're playing our man three times. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so March and June, I think, is friendlies. Now you have the New yeah. Zealand one at the end of this campaign. Oh, revenge for the rugby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so then you're into March, then you're into June, and then like if the Euros are on, we're not going to it. So I think it's the Nations League a full year now without like. And for us, as you say, who mad about the football. Like even that alone, like you know, like so. In terms of, I suppose, a new manager coming in, there's time to bed them in there potentially and give them the, the full year leading up to the next September. But yeah, who like it's a tricky one. Who you get it is a tricky one. I don't know. I, I think you're right. It's it's a, it's a huge call. Like even Lee Carsley's been thrown around as well. The football Lee Carsley plays. He's one of these modern managers just getting his just got his badges. You would imagine that he wants to play the attractive style of football. But would he be a little bit more pragmatic with this group because? He won't take a kick, will he? Let's be honest. His name has been thrown about. I, I, I. Now maybe I, I'm wrong, and I might be proved wrong in six months when he takes the job. But I don't think in a million years he's taking this job. I'll be honest with you, Alan. I, my personal opinion on it was his stock was too high after what he's done with the English twenty ones. His stock was too high, and it's probably a step backwards to take the Irish team. And given it's senior men's football as opposed to twenty ones football, that's a, it's a ridiculous thing to say. But I do view it as a step backwards. But I've spoke to people that know Lee Carsley, ex-professionals, and they seem to think he, he's actually quite interested in it. Okay. So, it, you know, maybe, but look, it, the one thing when, when it got announced that we're going to be a part of the Euros in 2028, I thought, brilliant. Then the next thought was, my God, how flat would it be if he weren't involved? Yeah. That was the first thing. And I thought, right, this team needs to get into shape. We need to qualify for, the, for 2028. Does anybody believe we're going to do a playing football? The, the current way we're playing football? The, the current way Probably we're playing not, football. But the players we have. Like, and I'm talking open, expansive, yeah. sexy football. I don't think anybody really believes that. So let's just shut up shop and get to the Euros. And then look at people that say, oh, what's the point in getting there if we're not going to compete? Hold on, hold on. That, that's a different set of questions now. Let's just try and get there and be competitive. Yeah, I'd agree with Keith there. I mean, it's just. Yeah, I, I do laugh when I, the open, expansive. I know it's Keith's phrase, he's not saying, but open, expansive, sexy football. I'm thinking Man City, PSG when I hear that. Yeah. We're not even good at that. But when people talk about possession based football and how to play, they use Man City as the blueprint. Why don't we use Wales or Scotland? Yeah. Because we're not a Man City. And look, very few people are a Man City, but there's certain teams that can go, we can, we can, we can do that. Yeah. We can't. I watched Scotland, Spain there the other night, even, and, and obviously Spain are going to dominate the ball. And. and Scotland have no problem sitting in. When they when they obviously get the ball to try and play a little bit. But they played like the way we used to always play. Yeah. It wasn't booting balls up to the it was Dykes up front on his own and, and they were trying to play a little bit when they had it. Obviously it was going to be tougher because they were winning the ball back on the edge of their box and you have to try and play through lines and they're pressing you so high Spain and you're losing it maybe and it's difficult to get out. But it wasn't just kicking it up into the corners and defending on the edge of their box for, for 90 minutes. He's done a brilliant job, Steve Clark. Do, Sa- do you know what Sam Allardyce used to say? It's not, ball, it's not long balls forward, it's balls forward with quality. That's there what you he used go. to always say. There's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, like... Give Sam the job. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going down that road. No, no, we're not going down that road. And you don't want that, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm joking. No, but I'm just saying there's a place for that. Yeah. There is a place yeah. for that yeah. in football. People seem to think, no, it's, it's total football. No, if, if other teams are better than you at football, go and play them at a different It's end. like what me and Keith have been saying for the last half an hour. There's a balance, mm. Eric. It's like everything. There's a balance. You play when it's on. When it's not on, you don't play. And you make those... It, it can't just be one way or this way. can't be. You mentioned City there, and, and even City uh, have been known to hit it long. 
these days yeah. now. It's not all just total you football. Yeah. team in the world, yeah. you know. You, 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 as you say, you cut your cloth to suit your, your needs kind of thing, and uh, we need to hit it long. Hit it long. Don't be ashamed of it. As you say, it doesn't have to be a long ball. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ball hit with quality yeah, over yeah. a long distance. <laughs> um, I suppose uh, it, it's great to get put the international stuff behind us and look forward to another weekend of uh, Premier League football. Um, the uh, uh, Keith Arsenal... Uh, Buoyed by that magnificent win, I suppose, before the international break against City. They broke that hoodoo, you know, finally yeah. beat them. Have to um, change your mind, Keith. Come on. Are <laughs> no, you more of a, of a no. believer now? Or yeah, you look still at the Arsenal jersey. You know, <laughs> <I'm not taking laughs> uh, no, look, I, I think it's great. I think Arsenal needed to mentally just beat City just to say, yeah, we can actually compete and maybe even go forward. But look at... Can Arsenal actually go and win the Premier League? I don't think so. I think if they didn't have European football, if they didn't have other cups, then possibly, yeah, mm. they could do it. But you would assume it looks like they're going to get out of their group in the Champions League. They're going to be playing in, in European football after Christmas. I just think the squad is going to become stretched. I think if you lose Odegaard for a month, a month and a half, if you lose a sack of Martinelli's already been injured, he's come back. Uh, Jesus is injury prone as well. I just think, not particularly the wheels are going to fall off, but it's too much to say, can you keep up with City's two 11s? I just think it's too much of a stretch. I think we're probably going to be the best of the rest. I know there's a lot of Spurs fans giving me an awful lot of jib <laughs> telling me, no, no, no. Like, and that will help them that they haven't got European football. I think they I think they will they will play well, but you would imagine that at some point that new manager bounce will come off a little bit. They'll draw a couple of games, lose it. It'll all get a little bit Spursy at some point. But yeah, look, I think Liverpool have been... Oh, Liverpool, sorry. I think Arsenal have been absolutely excellent and... Yeah, I just think the Champions League will, will just stretch them. Yeah, they're playing Chelsea this weekend, mm. and Chelsea, I suppose, are having a little mini revival. Uh, you're Actually, not you were all laughing at. Yeah, <laughs> you're not surprised by that, Al. You were, no, you were well, confident I... that he'd eventually turn around. And come here, listen, he's a brilliant manager. And they've a, they've a, a squad of about four and a half thousand players, and you know, you're, bound to, <laughs> you're bound to get good eleven good players there at somewhere, <laughs> some stage. Eventually, you're going to fall upon the right formula. Yeah. But you went down but, to the utility room there in, in the training ground. I didn't know you play for us. <laughs> You're in. You're starting on Saturday, <laughs> so uh, so that the Chelsea have you know they they they've, they've they've shown a bit of form the last couple of games and it's at Stamford Bridge and Chelsea and Arsenal is always a spiky fixture. Mm. Um, it's going to be a real test for Arsenal, I think. Yeah, it's good and it's good to see Chelsea back to some sort of level. I suppose I did feel as though it was going to happen. The, the mess that he was walking into, I'm sure he, he probably didn't even realise himself how bad it probably was. Always from the outside, you never think it's as bad and it's only when you get in then you realise, shit, there's, there's trouble under here. <laughs> there's trouble over there as well. So, um, but And he's obviously had to sort a lot of that out. Now they're on the pitch getting a couple of results as well. And you'd hope that would kind of spring a bit of confidence and uh, push them up the table a little bit because they do have quality players and he's a quality manager. Arsenal, though, as I've always said, Eric, I think they can win the league. I totally get Keith's point and he, and about the European stuff. That will stretch them. But if they can get to January where they're still hot on the heels of City or even ahead of them, because City are struggling at the moment with their couple of injuries to key players. Um, and obviously, if they were to lose Rodri, who the stats back up when he's not playing, more so than a Haaland and a De Bruyne in early. Yeah. Um, so if something like that... Yeah, arguably are the most important player. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, yeah, and Kovacic and has been struggling, hasn't he, for such yeah. a good player. He should have been sent off. Oh. In the, ah, yeah, but even for Croatia on Sunday, he was absolutely awful. And like, he's such a good player for yeah. Chelsea it's like the, the wheels have just come off him all of a sudden and look I'm sure he will regain it because he's a fabulous fabulous oh, player but he's, he's been so poor lately it's yeah he, and like, but I do think said, I do I, I like I've always said it from day one I think they can win the league um, and I ho- I think Liverpool are in the mix as well because there is going to be some sort of a knock on with City after last year winning the treble 
that seems to be happening at the moment. I suppose the question is how long will that go on for? Mm. Will they sort it out in two or three weeks? Will they come back refreshed now? That could have been a good time. The international break, I know a lot of them were away, but it might just be a good time to clear the heads and stuff and you see them back ready to rock now because uh, there's a good run of games now. It, I always find it strange at the start of the season. You, you get back, there's a break with the internationals. You play another two or three games, there's a break with the internationals. So it's hard to get that kind of fluency going. Momentum and we're going only, yeah. Is it only eight games in? Yeah. yeah. Whereas now you have a good run of maybe 15, 20 games and they're capable of winning them all as we know. So will we see a different city now refreshed, raring to go, knowing they're getting into their stride a little bit? Um, but I just want to see I suppose Arsenal Liverpool pushed them as much as they can for as long as possible, and I do think Arsenal can win it. But you must, you, you have to say, like when you look at Arsenal, Arsenal look like they're reaching near the, the top of their gears already. They look like they're kicking into their stride. City, it's bits and bobs, and they're still in and amongst. They still look absolutely brilliant. De Bruyne is injured. People are saying Haaland's not playing as well as he is. He scored eight goals in eight games <laughs> in the Premier League. <laughs> he, he, he scored six yeah. for Norway already in the European camp in the European qualifiers, and people are going. Alan, and you're like, you're for real. He's 23. He's 23, and he scored that amount of goals. And look, his numbers were, were ridiculous. But I still think he's going to be in around 50 at the end of the season. Like, yeah, he's he's, he's sensational. And, and 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 your opinion on Chelsea, uh, Keith? Um, like realistically, this season, like they've had a bad start, but they've got spent so much money. Pochettino's in there now. Obviously, they've a massive game against Arsenal at the weekend. What what re- what are Chelsea's realistic expectations for the season? Is it a target top four? Or is it to win a trophy? Or what do you think? Yeah, you, you could put that stamp on it, win a trophy, try and win one of the Cups. Um, I think realistically, maybe top six, because the, the start has just been so, so bad. Look, they, they have so many, so much talent in the room, but it's like somebody's been playing championship manager and just throwing players in left, right and centre. You can't just go around and buy all the talent up and think, right, make a team there. It, it takes characters, it takes different individuals. It's not just all about talent. If it was all about talent, we could all just go out and, you know, take take the best players in the best positions. You need a mix, and it, it the, like the dressing room with with the seven and eight year contracts. I just can't get my head around this whatsoever. Yeah. There must be like the likes of Mudrick and on eight year contracts, Endo Fernandez on eight year contracts. It's like how so you, do you motivate them? That's that's what I was going to ask you. So the 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 the, the the issue you have there with that is is motivation is motivation. why would I bust my gut when I'm here for the next seven years? Yeah, look, it, it's it's always the same. Like it, when Mudrick gets out of the bed and he has an eight year contract and there's a ball hit over the top and he's a little bit tired, is he going to run with the same vigor of a lad who's playing for that big contract? Not really, no. And it, it, there was an old boxing saying, wasn't it? I think it was Delahoyd. He said about it's hard to grow up and run when you're when you're sleeping in silk sheets at night. And it, it's the same thing. <laughs> look, and look, Mudrick is a fabulous. What sheets are you sleeping in? Arsenal sheets. But you get what I'm saying. I just think, look, I think Chelsea. What they need to do this season is get get their identity, become hard to beat at home, make make Stamford Bridge a fortress again, get their best eleven, get their identity, and just move on from there. You know, I think this season it, it doesn't have to be a write off. They could pick up a cup. They could finish in the top six, but. In terms of the Chelsea, the big strong Chelsea we know, I, I don't think so. I think they're a little bit. The awkward. only thing with that with Chelsea with Keith and and the contracts thing is bonkers and bizarre. That was their way of getting around the whole financial yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. you know, as we know. But having Pochettino as manager, and he's brilliant man manager. He'll put his arm around the likes of those fellas, and I think they will play for him rather than a Mudrick who is 
looking at a manager have no respect for him and thinking oh, what am I even doing here and I have eight years and just sitting on a contract I think they will want to play for him because of the way he'll probably treat them and deal with them and Caicedo and Fernandez and also in terms of getting the best out of out of the players regardless of the money sure they're all on big money now but regardless of the contracts I think whatever chance to have at least to have a manager that will do that for those players but the, the one the one thing I would say to weigh that up is say Mudrick and Pochettino or somebody who's on one of these big contract falls out with Pochettino turns up late and he has to drop the hammer on him and he, he slaps him on the wrist Enzo Fernandez or, or Mudrick or anybody who's on these big contracts can turn around and think like why would I listen to you I have an 8 year deal I'm going to be here longer than you, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's just so if, if they fall out there's only going to be one winner because he's sitting on an 8 year deal yeah. now are you going to go and give Pochettino a 20 year deal so he has that over the dressing room it's just I don't believe in the seven or eight year deals whatsoever. I think it's it's a bad thing in the dressing room. That's a pretty valid point, actually, isn't it? I'm going to be here longer than you. But I think you could argue that for every manager nowadays. Yeah, Eric. True. Sure, managers are only there for six months yeah, but a when, year. When year. you actually have like your contract, an eight year contract sitting behind you, going, yeah. I'm going to be here longer than you. Yeah, but that, I, I just think with, them all, with the Chelsea situation, I do think even going back to the Deli Alley stuff in the interview and, and the way Pochettino used to treat them mm. and look after them and all, I do think with that Chelsea squad, and it's nearly sad thing to say that you have to treat fellas like this nowadays sometimes, but you do. Like it's nearly the softly, softly approach with a lot of them. So I think he'll be good in that regard. Um, you're still kind of I, I'm totally with Keith on giving out the length of contracts. It's bonkers. But now that the contracts are there, I think you have a manager that will be able to manage those individuals better than a fella who wants to clamp the iron fist on them, I suppose. There's uh, another interesting fixture this weekend. It's the Major Side Derby, first Major Side Derby of the season. Um, you're all me, Sean Deutsch, coming up against Klopp at Anfield. Um, it's a fixture Everton have only won twice since 2010. Um, but Everton, like despite their poor start, uh, they've, they've, they've got a couple of wins recently. And like I was reading somewhere their XG was mm. higher than C's, yeah. which is like, it's not just wow. mental. A mental stat. So they've been, I suppose, unlucky in a lot of matches where they've come up against keepers who've had blinders or they've hit the woodwork or, you know, they've they've, they've missed chances they should have taken. Mm-hmm. Um, should should Everton be optimistic going into that game against Liverpool and Anfield? Ooh, uh, I don't know about <laughs> optimistic, but look, it's it's a derby's a derby. Anything can happen. Everything can win that game. It, it can be it, anything can happen in the derby. Form goes out the window, but. The more, the more prudent question for everything is can they stay in this league? And I do think there's three worse teams than them. I, I, I wasn't sure at the start of the season. I thought goals are going to be a huge issue that defensively. They don't look right. But Sean Dyche is just, start, just starting for me to turn it around defensively. They're starting to look a little bit stronger. Beto up front is an absolute handful. He, he's not an out-and-out goal scorer by any means, but he's a handful. He will create problems. Calvert-Lewin's coming back in. Dwight McNeil. Decore looks like he can score a goal. So... Look, I, I think I've seen enough with everything to say they'll be okay. I think they'll stay in the league and it's it's absolutely vital that you do with the new stadium being built. Imagine yeah. being in the championship and unveiling a new stadium. So that could fall very, very flat. And look, with, with Alex Awobi, the Marty Gray leaving the building, I think if everything had to stay in this league and people would say, oh, I'm biased because I love the man, but Sean Dyche has to be up there for manager of the season. The way he did it last season, doing it this season with the, with the talent that's been taken out of that dressing room on him. And I know uh, Jack Harrison is a brilliant signing from Leeds, a lovely, lovely signing. Uh, but I just think his hands have been tied, the off-field issues that he's walked in. And when he when he took everything over, he said, this is my biggest challenge. And when he took Burnley over, we were the fourth favourites to get relegated out of the championship. So it just goes to show you how big of a job he has at Everton. And I think he's been absolutely brilliant. I think he's probably the only manager who could put up with that stuff off the pitch and just protect the players and 
it's he's the only man for Everton at the minute. I think he's he's outstanding job. I, I'd agree with Keith there. I think um I, I, I think I think Everton will stay in the league and I think they'll comfortably they stay in the league. I think yeah. they I think they, they they at the end of the season they'll be in their own mid table and comfortably ahead of the relegation for um because of what I've seen Deutsch doing over the last uh, few months. Yeah, and that's something we've always said, I suppose, when it comes to them in the position that they were in as well. And I used to always even say it at Burnley, I used to always give them a chance over anyone else purely because of him. Because of the way he deals with the situation, never gets too high when the win, never gets too low. It's always measured, balanced. Um, Keith obviously has a personal relationship with him as well and speaks so highly of him. And I've always felt that from the outside. I've great time for Sean Dyche in everything that he does and the way he conducts himself. So to bring that across to Everton, that was the, sta- the same story last year. Even when they were struggling, there was never a sense of panic on his face. You look at other managers that are down there and it's, ah, oh, and you think that the, the years are growing on them as, 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 as the weeks go by. Whereas he always looks the same. Crisp white shirt, purple tie. It's a navy one now for Everton. Yeah. The shaved head, the big muscly look. I'm in Alpha control, male. I'm in control <laughs> of the situation yeah, here. Yeah. No, I do. I have great time for Dyche. And, He's um, a real character, isn't he? Yeah, brilliant. And a, a good person, more importantly, yeah. as Keith will tell you. What about him for the Ireland job? He'd be brilliant for the Ireland. He would Sean be Dyche would yeah. be actually excellent. Wouldn't he get me started? <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely... Oil campaign Keith for Sean Dyche. <laughs> you have to be on <laughs> the, yeah, be on the coaching ticket there. <laughs> He'll be outside Abbottstown with a... And we'd be sitting here saying, do you remember that Tracy fella telling us this is how you play for Ireland? I have his number. I'll forward on to the FBI. We'll sort it out. See, it's not working out with Everton. There's a little job over here Dublin, lovely stadium. Um, <laughs> lovely stadium. <laughs> We've got. You have to get him a green tie to go with the I white know, shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It looked oh. well in him. It looked well in him. He's, and the orange beard, green and orange. Ah, okay, look, we have the colour on him. Listen, now. there's the podcast right there. Sean Deutsch for the Irish job. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of other fixtures. Uh, there's, there's, there's an attractive looking fixture there. City against Brighton. Uh, Brighton, Brighton, uh, having a bit of a wobble at the moment, and uh, still deserve. He's not going to change. He's still going to play one way. There you go, keeper. It's crazy to think that that's, that's how far they've come to you. Yeah. They're having a wobble. Yeah, I know, they're, still, yeah. And they're, they're in fifth or something, whatever it is. Like, you know what I mean? And even the, um, yeah, I suppose what's what's catching them out a little bit at the moment, and it was probably back to Keith's point about Arsenal and Europe, this is them having to contend now with Thursdays. I even heard Evan Ferguson, um, I think it was in the build-up to the Irish game, he said that as well, how normally when you have the run into the games... Last year they weren't in Europe and you're having a week training on the train. He says we're going game yeah, Thursday, game, game. warm down match at the weekend and you're have very little time on the training ground. And then just the adjustment, the players are making changes and bringing fellas in and fellas injured. So they're just having to contend with that at the moment, which is something new for them. But um, you know my feelings on the Zerbi, they're brilliant, yeah. right? They're brilliant to watch. Um, and City will be looking to obviously end their little little barren run at the moment like three domestic defeats in a row uh, when you count that there's a bit of pressure on that so yeah, yeah. especially playing Brighton yeah. where's that game on it's in it's in the Etihad yeah yeah. well it won't hold any fears for Brighton but there's a bit of pressure on City for the first time ever <laughs> yeah, yeah. never mind that Champions League final in a long time but they'll have Rodri back now as well oh yeah um, oh yeah so it's a comfortable 3-0 win for City got to be with Rodri being back <laughs> uh, your, your impressions are Brighton Keith and, and like it's it's probably unfair to say they're having a wobble. I mean, they yeah, they no, play the yeah. way they play. You can't say they're having a wobble. My God, uh, when you look, even like if you're looking for excuses for the Zerbi, and he doesn't need excuses. Look at the talent that's gone out of that out of that oh, room over the last couple yeah. of years. Never mind just McAllister. Like there's so many. And look, I, I love them. I think when they, if they're playing Arsenal, I, I'm not a fan of them. But when they're playing anybody else, oh, I absolutely love them. They're my favourite team in the league. The way they go about it. And the difference with with the Zerbian, you said it there that he will just keep playing the same way. 
because he has the talent to. He knows that's right. what they have. So when when we say with Stephen, can he come on? We need to start going. That's because we don't have it. He has it. He has it in spades there. Matoma, Sully March, Evan Ferguson, even Danny Welbeck. Like Danny Welbeck is like he, he came to Preston on loan with us and we used to mess with him saying we must have got your brother on loan because you were so poor <laughs> like, he went down to United and done really well and made, well back. made yeah. such a great career for himself but yeah we, I, I love it and even uh, Lalana, Milner just these players that seem to oh, these are done they're just winding down now they're just getting extra legs on them and there's so much to like about Brighton but it'll be tough against Manchester City there I wouldn't say they're a wounded animal, but I think they've just had their nose bloodied and there will be a bit of a reaction from them. Absolutely. So, to, yeah, an interesting uh, weekend uh, ahead. Uh, we we sp- spoke a lot about managers today. Um, what we're going to do now, lads, we're going we're gonna to watch a video that was doing the rounds over the weekend <laughs> of a very unhappy manager and uh, we're going to have a little listen to it now, Paul, I believe. <laughs> they, they deserve to be, uh, fully deserve to be in the draw and hopefully, I really hope, uh, they get something um, amazing that's life-changing so my fucking shit players can learn a fucking lesson because they were so poor. And I'll tell you one thing, I will always put my hand up. It's not about availability, injuries, who was returning, who wasn't. It wasn't about that at all. Um, it was about the fact that that team let the fans down 100% wholeheartedly sometimes I get the management team to take the blame part blame some blame whatever today was wholeheartedly a bunch of players that were absolutely shit <laughs> that's so, bus going past the lads under that. the bus there I thought those days were over those interviews I love we grew up in those interviews tell us how you feel I boss I love it um, so that was the Dorking Wanderers manager who play, they play in the National League and the Bray Wanderers manager <laughs> They've just been knocked out at the FA Cup by uh, by Horsham, and as you can hear, the manager wasn't happy. Um, and I suppose it's the complete opposite of Stephen Kenny, really, isn't it? In that he's he's calling it as he sees it, and not just making up stuff. Going, well, do you know what? We played really well there. We'd uh, we'd four shots on goal in the warm up. Uh, on that point, though, I I think that's absolutely brilliant. When the players don't play well, there has to be a little bit of that. Like I I wouldn't go. I'd have to see the game now to see if he, he's absolutely valid in all the points, but. Like when we played Greece and in the press conference for the, the Gibraltar game, Stephen Kenny was asked, uh, "Did did the players speak to you tactically about how the how Friday went?" And he went, he said, uh, "Well, no. We woke up this morning and we were flying and we got here, so there wasn't really an extended debrief." When you play that poorly, there should be an extended debrief, and you should be digging people out and saying, "This is not good enough. This is what I want for you. Either you do it, or you're not coming back into this team." And he should be just setting it in stone. And look, the horse is bolted. I get all that, so maybe you can just roll on and say, "Ah, oh, whatever." But this should have been done. And it feels like he's always just took uh, took a bad result and gone. All right, let's focus on the next one. I'd have, I'd have been, you know, putting me putting me colours to the mass and said, "This is how you play. Either you do it, or you don't turn up anymore." And it's as simple as that. And I just didn't like the fact that. He let it go. So it is. It He's right, Keith. And that's the point. Sorry, Eric. Um, I know you're probably coming on to this, but I, I, I never get the sense that that goes on. And we know Stephen's way, and we've said about him being a, a good man and a nice person and all that kind of stuff. But fair enough if it's a style that publicly you don't want to throw the players under the bus. But you have to be nailing them inside then. And I never get the sense that they're being nailed because it's funny when you when the players come out back him, they are all backing him because. They're getting picked. 
and they're all just going along. There's no. They all like him. Yeah. There's no retributions. There's I no, never get yeah. that sense. Well, the only I suppose the only kind of retribution we saw was Nathan Collins. You know, mm. dragged off at half time and then dropped last night against yeah. against Gibraltar and uh, Liam Scales. But in. I see that stuff. We grew up on that stuff. Uh, like, isn't that refreshing to hear? Isn't it really? <laughs> like, like you used to like both pros uh, in your day. Was there was there ever uh, moments when you had manager came out and you played a match and in, in the post match interview absolutely threw you under the bus and what effect that has on the squad? Then is it? I, it, I had does, one. It, does it motivate you? I had a classic. Right, <laughs> so we went to. Um, I won't name the manager because I loved him. I actually loved him and he was great to me. But we played a match one day and I did a piece in the paper before the match, right? And it was linked with Westlife. Oh, you did an interview? Yeah. Okay. Right. And uh, it was linked with the, the, the whole interview thing was I was from Sligo. Westlife were the number one band and all this crack. And it was like as if I would have been a Westlife only for I played the football. This was oh kind of God. the link that was put together, right? <laughs> so that was grand. Anyway, we were playing. I was only young. So played the match anyway, and we lost 2-1. But I scored and played well. So I'm coming home. Typical selfish player. Played great. We did my bit. Who gives a shit, right? <laughs> Obviously, he gave a shit. But we came back anyway. And we used to have this kind of thing to follow. A debrief, as Keith said. And this is great. I used to. That's why I'm saying I grew up with this. I love this, Eric. This stuff, right? Some fellas couldn't deal with it. I loved it. A fella looking you straight in the face and telling you, you were absolutely shit last night. And if you ever play like that again, and then you're someone, well, I'll fucking show you. And then you have it out with him or whatever. This is what we were brought up with. And it's gone too far the other way now. But anyway, we're all sitting down in our little, right? And he always used to go one to 11, right? So you'd be sitting there and you'd be ready. And, and a lot of the time, you know yourself when you played well, you know when you played bad. So when round one, and you done this, and number two, and you were doing this, and number three, whatever. So it comes to me, Went by me, right? Skipped on to the next fella. And you were thinking, so I'm, oh, thinking I'm the only one yeah, who did well he here. He says, I'm not surprised you skipped me. Sure, I was flying it last night. He says, why would you have a word of me? This is all going through my head, right? He says, yeah. So skip by, gets to number 11, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we're done now. And then marches back in front of me. And as for you, right? Stand over me. He says, I'll give you a Westlife. Westlife. <laughs> He says, I'll give you a Westlife. He says, see if I was playing with you, I'd fucking burst you. <laughs> I swear to God. And I'm sitting there like this. And I used to love this manager. I still love him, right? And I'm sitting there going like this, right? And he had that real authority, right? And I'm like, fucking hell. Right? I'm sitting there on. So I left and the boys were like, fucking hell, right? So I left and went down to the shop. And they used to do this thing in the paper. And you'd always go on a Saturday and check Sunstar Man. Opened up the paper, Sunstar Man, me. I said, no. now you're going down. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. <laughs> but, uh, but that kind of stuff, yeah. That's why I, that old school way, Eric, there has to be room somewhere still to... to be honest with people and just have tough, hard conversations. I'm not saying hammer fellas, like, but, but, but the odd hammering, like, that's fine. Like, it can't all just be one way. It can't always be kid gloves and hugs. No, it yeah. can't. It yeah. can't. It can't. Uh, Keith, did, did you recall any incidences? <laughs> like, like where, did you did you follow any boy bands that might have been used you against not, was you? Was it not like you were boys on at the time? No, no. no. <laughs> yeah. I, I could just imagine a manager hitting you and going, take that. <laughs> <laughs> nice well played, see? Hey. <laughs> Um, no, I don't. I don't remember ever being thrown under the bus. There was once with Phil Brown. He uh, he played. We were playing Ipswich away, and we were in the we were in the hotel, and I wasn't in for for want of a better phrase. wasn't in It wasn't in a great state to play the game, and I, I sort of knocked on his door and said, "Listen, probably best if I don't play tomorrow." And 
he basically told me, you're playing. And I, I played, didn't play very well. He took me off and he, he had a bit of a pop in the media at me saying, you know, this Tracy fella, blah, blah. But, you know, it wasn't the... It was deserved. I didn't play well. I didn't okay. play very well. I couldn't separate me. But did the service of motivation to you or anything like that, Keith? Or were you just in that place at the time? You didn't really. You weren't really. Yeah, like, I just sort of took it. I went, yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, so I can't you argue have to that. be realistic. I look. I, I, I analyze my own games when I played, and I look back and I thought, yeah, everything he said was spot on. I didn't look at it and think, no, I was excellent. I was this, and I was that. Um, listen, um, we're, we're, we're coming come towards the end of the podcast now, lads. I suppose, uh, looking look uh, ahead to League of Ireland, uh, it's still not, the Robbers still haven't won their four in a row. It looks like it's inevitable. The weekend, it tips two games over the weekend. Yeah, draw it at home. Cork on uh, Monday. And Cork on Monday. And you expect them to get the job done. Draw it, won't have any fans at Tala because of the, the mm. trouble at Oriel. Um, uh, and there's a dress rehearsal for the for the cup final. Yeah. Uh, Bows and Pats at Daily Mount. And that's still a really important match when you, when, you, when you consider top four and top three or whatever it will take. I think, you know, if if either Bows or Pats win the league or win the cup, then top four will be good enough for Europe. Um, so it's it's a massive game for both clubs. Um, and as I said, the dress rehearsal, I know you've got your, 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 you're still employed by Pats, Keith. Um, your thoughts, even just looking ahead to the cup final, Keith, um, two years ago, Pats won it on penalties. Jamie Vassas. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> it, was, it was great match, great spectacle. Record crowd, 27,000, I think it was at the time. Um, we're all giddy. Like, mm. League of Ireland fans, you, you mentioned some of your favourite days of the year Love for it. your cup final. I'm so excited for it, um, but also really apprehensive because it's the biggest day in Irish football and you, you, you just, just want Bowes to win a bleeding trophy, basically, you know. Um, do, you, do you expect the crowd even to be bigger for, for starters, yeah, Keith? Yeah, I, I think it will be. I, I was obviously at the Greece game on Floyd and I was speaking to a couple of the FEI heads and they're saying they think they're going to they're gonna go past the, the record. So hopefully, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great game. I think on the face of it, without getting too deep into it. I think Afalabi against Joe Redmond is going to be a huge battle. Whoever comes out on top of that will will probably win the game. But, you know, the, the usual for Pats, I think Sam Court is a, a huge, huge player for them. Uh, player. Chris Forrester, Sam Court is brilliant. Yeah. I think it's inevitable before he moves, mm. whether it's across the water or somewhere on the continent. He's a brilliant, brilliant little player. Chris Forrester, and there's so, so many young players for Pats now, the likes of uh, Connor Carty, J- um, Joe Redmond is young as well, Sam Cortis, there's Reese Bartley coming through, Mason Millier, Adam Foley, Adam, so yeah. many of them, Adam Murphy as well, yeah. they, they, oh, they, yeah. just, they Sorry, just keep coming and coming. So look, I think Pats at the minute is in a really good place, can they, like, do, I don't want to say the good thing is, but it looks like Rovers are starting to wane a little bit, it looks like it's starting to get a little bit heavy, so I think, they will win the league this season, but next season is the one that I think Pats are going to have a real show for. Bowles will be up and amongst it as well. And I, I, I hear in Shelbourne are going to be financially backed as well. So, look, I think the, the league next year will be, will be a, I don't want to write off this season already, but I think next season is going to be a, a real good season. But, yeah, the final, I, I think Pats will do enough. I'm sure you don't think that. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of them. I I, I, I never make predictions. I, I was impressed finals. with Bowes against Galway. I, I went down and did that game. I thought they were really good, put under a lot of pressure, like old school football, balls into the back. The way I want Ireland to play type mm. of thing. But yeah, I thought Bowes did what they needed to do, defended really, really well. Yeah, and I was worried going into that ball Galway game, and especially when I, I was there as well, uh, Keith in in AMDC Park. What a little, great little ground yeah, for, yeah. for League of Ireland, and, and a huge addition to the to the Premier League next season. But when I was seeing Galway walking out, my God, they've like giants the walking out onto the pitch, yeah. like huge units, not just but that's a manager playing to the strengths as well, yeah. and what to do, you know, Caulfield. So, and I was worried about our, our, our ability to defend, but Novak, who I had. Reservations about was exceptional and yeah. won everything in the air. He was he was brilliant and you know and I suppose yeah it was, it was a good sign that Bowes 
went down to 10 men with half an hour to play and, and were dogged and organised and hard to break down and yeah they'll take a huge amount of confidence coming out of that so uh, lads listen again we've run out of time it's been an absolute pleasure to have Keith Tracy and Alan Cawley with me for episode 30 of House of Football. If you're watching it on YouTube, get involved in the conversation. Leave us a comment below. If you're on iTunes or any of those other places, leave us a review. Like, subscribe, tell your mates. And as I said, it's spelled B-R-I-L-L-I-A-N-T. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe.